Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 140. Today is Sunday, January 5th, 2020, and this episode was recorded in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. My guest for today is Camille Hotefor. She is one half of the co-founding team that co-founded a company called Article 22. She co-founded it with Elizabeth Suda. And actually, if you go to article22.com, you'll see everyone that's involved in the company because there is a supply chain that goes all the way to Laos. What they do is they repurpose UXOs, which are unexploded ordinances or bombs that were dropped in Laos that were yet to explode. And they repurpose the metal from the bombs into jewelry. They make these bangle bracelets and necklaces and earrings, and they're really beautiful. And a lot of them are paired up with artists and artisans who tell a story through the jewelry. This is a really, really cool company and something that's near and dear to me. I've had a few people on here from Laos, and I particularly like Lao culture, and I'm really happy that I was able to sit down with Camille today. Uh, she will be able to explain uh, in a much more eloquent way than I can the whole process. But essentially, they are using local artisans who are melting down the metal and were originally making spoons. And they are now becoming a global company. And a lot of those proceeds go directly back to the artisans. So this isn't like mass produced here in the States. It's not like there's a shipment of the metal coming here and then it's processed here in factories. It's the artisans themselves using very traditional methods and using these traditional molds that they make themselves uh, to press the melted aluminum into jewelry. It's really, really cool. If, if you are unaware of why there might be bombs in Laos, well, you are not alone. This is not something that's traditionally taught in a high school education. In fact, in California, there's been a strong push uh, to have legislation passed that would include Lao history. I don't think the U.S. government quite wants that, and that's been a struggle to get that passed because if it does get passed, it's going to show that the U.S. did some pretty terrible things. Uh, it's, it's sort of multi-layered here because even at the time that this was carried out, it was a program that was done in conjunction with the CIA, and a lot of our Congress people didn't even know that this was happening. So there were a few things. One was the attempt to prevent communism from spreading throughout Southeast Asia and Asia. And so that's why millions upon millions, in fact, I believe 80 million bombs in total were dropped on Laos. But the other was that when the planes were returning from this region to American bases and then to the States, they weren't returning with their bombs. So if they weren't dropped um, on, a, on a war mission on a specific target, they were dropped into the jungles and into the... Uh, fields in Laos. And there are still millions upon millions of these unexploded ordinances in Laos today. And a lot of people get hurt by them uh, or killed. <laughs> uh, so I think this is an incredible uh, company with a really cool mission. And part of the reason why I want to share this story is so that more people learn about Laos, learn about the history, uh, and then go to Laos today because it's a really beautiful country with wonderful people and wonderful cuisine and really amazing, serene, natural setting uh, that I think is a really nice departure from some of the, the busy cities that you might visit in Southeast Asia. So very grateful to Camille and to Article 22. Very grateful as well to Michaela Martello, who I had on this podcast, who um, helped to set this conversation up. You can also, uh, you can go visit their um, warehouse of sorts. It's also sort of a, it's an office space warehouse and like art space also because they've got really beautiful photography, some of that taken by Camille and some cool sort of installations uh, with some of the uh, bomb materials that they've repurposed. So go to the show notes for this episode and you'll find uh, a link to Article 22, the, the website. 
where you can purchase items and you can learn more about them. And I'll also have a link to their Instagram account because they're very active on there. I'll also, as I've done before, I'll do some type of giveaway. So over the next week or so here in the early days of January, pay attention to my Instagram at the Voyages of Tim Vetter. Actually, it's the Voyages of Tim V, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I'll do a giveaway through my stories of something that Article 22 sells. Cool. You can also go to the show notes for this episode and you will find my Patreon account. That's how you can contribute to keeping these episodes coming. If you can't do that, I get it. There's a lot better things for you to be spending your money on. Uh, But you can contribute by leaving a five-star rating review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That would be really cool as well. All right, instead of the normal interlude music, I'm going to have some traditional Lao instrumental music play you into my conversation with Camille. Enjoy. saw recently you were uh, on the big screen in Times Square? Yes, we were. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've been supportive of um, Giving Tuesday for um, some time now. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, it's all about companies to get, give back and make impact. And um, so we've been offered as part of Giving Tuesday this year to be featured on Times Square. And, um, you know, it's a one-time experience that um, is really rewarding for us. So, you know, and, and for all the people that are supporting the brand. So we did it. Um, and that was fun. Um, very cold day. Yeah. You will remember <laughs> uh, freezing because uh, a lot of our partners, including our model, including um, Beatrix Ost, and then all the people um, directly um, working with us here, um, attended so they came and kind of um you know saw it and got featured we also ran um a little made a little video out of it Mm. um so that's really nice yeah that's really exciting and people can go on youtube too and see some some news articles and things like that from the past couple of years about your connection to giving tuesday um so people can check that out that's pretty cool yeah every year we try to find it um you know something unique to participate uh, that's different from the year before so that that was a nice way cool uh, I would imagine 
that this all starts for you and for Elizabeth with an initial uh, relationship or visit to Laos. Uh, so what was when when was the first time you be- went to the country or became aware of this? So the breakthrough, um, really, um, Elizabeth visited Laos in 2008, um, if I remember, if not 20, 2007 for the first time. And she was doing a work um, around textile. Laos is very um, famous for... Um, um, weaving techniques mm. and um, each tribes um, use uh, weaving as a way of identifying and communicating so real dialogue and um, what's really interesting um, is that um, you know it's 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 something that's um, beautiful and, and a piece of um, expression and that's um, of course in danger of disappearing because of yeah. all the knowledge that needs to be um, passed on from generation to generation and um, in, in a way we, we we still support very much uh, weaving um, because all of her packaging is made by a cooperative of women weavers in Vientiane. Oh wow! Um, so you know our packaging is really um, simple and and but but financially uh, the idea is to support them so that they can use the resources to train um, women to uh, techniques ancient techniques so that we can uh, perjure the the. the this form of art um, now uh, so Elizabeth uh, had. Um, been invited to the village, um, which we call now the Spoon Village, to um, visit um, a centre of weaving um, in the village. And she asked, um, you know, do, do, is there any other villagers doing some art craft that I should see? And um, the person said, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you have to come and see the, the spoon makers. And she discovered, um, you know, um, that there were 12 uh, families at that time already making spoons in the back of their garden in kilns that had been, um, you know, made. Um, and when she came closer and saw that these bombs were made out of, um, you know, coming from like US, US bombs, and she got the idea of... Um, you know, come like making something with them that 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 would travel um, across the the globe to tell the story and make impact. Um, so it was, you know, um, a, a discovery that since then, you know, we we tell and we share the story because the the idea that it was their own initiative that um, we transformed together to create something that really that helps the story to travel and make impact is very strong. Wow, um, and the, the the workstation has barely changed for most of the artisans. Um, since then, it's been um, over eight years um, now that we work really, really, you know, very constantly with them. And the idea is um, they've um, they've changed houses. They, um, you know, they've built new houses, but. The, the, the station remains exactly the, the, the same and it's beautiful when you go in and see it. And you can also see it on the video uh, you know, if you don't get the chance to visit the Spoon Village. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I've had a lot of uh, like Lao content on here. I've had a few um, people who are from Laos and I've talked a bit about like the secret war. But I guess if people are tuning in for the first time or really have no knowledge of this, what we're talking about uh, in terms of bombs, right, are unexploded ordinances, so bombs that have not yet been detonated that are in Laos and also still in parts of Cambodia and parts of Vietnam. Uh, but in particular, we're talking about what's called the secret war in Laos because even, you know, United States Congress people didn't all know that this was happening. That I believe there's a, it was the CIA in conjunction with uh, our top administration who were attempting to prevent the spread of communism uh, throughout other parts of Southeast Asia and bombed, I believe, Laos more heavily than we've ever bombed anywhere before. Yes, so Laos became the, after being neutral to the war, um, the most heavily bombed country in history per capita. And um, that's a really strong story that we have to tell through the jewelry um, and also a legacy of wars, of how civilians are affected by wars um, um, so many years after um, because um, of unexploded bombs or, of, or mines. And in the case of Laos, um, 
it's um, unexploded bombs are, are really, really dangerous in the sense that you can leave, um, you know, in a place that has a bomb underneath for years and nothing happens. And if one day you make a fire over it or something happens that stimulates um, the bomb, it will explode. Um, so um, it is also in the shape, um, you know, just very small and almost in the shape of a, a can. So mm. um, I would say that years after people leave with um, the, the knowledge of the risks. So, um, you know, they, they know how to recognize, they know how to avoid, um, but they know that there's bombs around the garden. We, we see um, when we go outside of her village, visit um, other uh, affected areas, um, you know, it happens that, you know, some people have been affected um, by, by a bomb explosion in the past 10, 10, 10 years. So, um, most victims today, um, even if the number is much lower, um, seem to be children because they're the ones that um, uh, maybe know less and are more naive. And um, there's very good work that's being done by the organization that demands for um, education. But still, you cannot avoid um, some, you know, uh, some, some. You, 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 you will not avoid other children that just run It's playing, else. right? Like they see something, um, no, I'm curious about it and grab it, step on it and it detonates. And it's it's very, uh, we, last, last, um, last time we went to Laos, we actually uh, interviewed um, a survivor that um, we started working with and um, as part of a new program that we're developing and... Um, probably one, two hours of interview and it was um, really striking how, um, you know, he was telling the whole experience and how difficult it was for him to understand and to communicate and how uh, in um, families that are um, subsistence farmers, uh, if one person cannot work, um, it becomes a real problem for the whole family. So um, in this situation, even, I mean, he had uh, really good access to medical care, but it took, you know, very long time for him to get access to the right. Um, and he had to travel, be away from the family. Um, he could barely see. Um, and so the impacts for a family are huge when there's a victim also. So that's in addition to, um, you know, the... the psychological impact there is also the financial impact of how to continue to work and bring income in oh yeah and we're talking 50 years since That's, the time that this happened right and i feel this is this is crazy um only one percent of the bombs have been cleared so far one percent uh yes i think it's one percent i can check for you to make sure that yes yeah i know that um during during obama's presidency he had pledged to ninety million dollars uh, over several years to um, uh, help clearing. So that um, do we know if that happened? Yes, of okay. course. Okay. Uh, over when we went to Laos in um, January, um, there was um, it was actually the you know when the teams start the, to. Um, go on the field and the mine. Um, so um, it was the, the beginning, the training, and they had over 400 people that were being trained um, to go in the minefield. Wow. So it's, it's the, um, the impact of um, donations and money is significant in uh, the ability that MAG has um, to uh, hire new people to um, create new teams. Um, and MAG is the acronym for, what's the name of the organization? Mines Advisory Group, um, which is the, the mining agency that operates globally um, okay, yeah. to remove, um, you know, to make the land safe. But their work um, encompasses um, clearing the bombs, so the activity of really removing uh, safely the bombs, um, also education and then assistance to victims. So in, okay. in that sense, um, the the survivor, all the when he um, was injured, um, Mag was the organization that helped him uh, through the, the the whole process of um, getting um, uh, his eye replaced. He got wow. his eye replaced over um, several years. It took because um, you know he had to travel uh, abroad, but they've been so the assistance to victim is one of their um, also. Uh, what they do. Um, wow. How, how are they fund? I guess so they're 
funded through international donations, I guess? Um, um, mostly uh, institutional, um, you know, high-end government uh, donations. Um, it's a small team in the US um, and it's a very big team in the UK. Wow. Yeah. I, it's, I'm not recalling it now, but I read a book once about, I don't know if it's that specific organization, it likely is, I read it a while ago, but there's places where they're still even clearing bombs from World War II, which like, completely blows my mind. Um, but you you have one of the ordinances here. This is a, a cluster we, bomb? We, is a pineapple. Um, yeah, there's um, the um, cluster bombs included a, vi- a variety of um, small bombs um, inside it. Um, so that's one of the variety ah. that was found in it. Um, so it's like shrapnel almost. And it then shoots the B-52s, out. Uh, which uh, you have in photo here, actually. Oh, wow. Um, is the ones that um, did not detonate on the impact also. Um, oh, I guess. No, no, no. Correct me. Okay. Yeah, you could, you could self-correct now. B-52s are the huge bombs that contains the Leo bombs. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the one we're looking at, it almost looks like a giant bullet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I remembered reading like these have a low melting point, so they're easy to melt down into different objects. Uh, the, uh, yes, for the... Um, Aluminum, actually. Yeah, aluminum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. So then you have established relationships now with certain families who are producing all of your merchandise. Yes. Yeah. Um, So over the years, we created the relationship. So the first year when Elizabeth, um, she tried to develop the Bengal um, and... It took a year to develop the first Bengal, and then she came back and um, said, I, I, "I will, I will buy you the first um, hundred Bengal." And um, the, the the ideas, you know, no one knew. So the, let's go back. They they were making spoons, so yeah. they were selling the the, the spoons since um, the seventeenth. So the story tells that. Um, People uh, had escaped from their village during the war uh, to avoid bombings and um, were hiding in caves. And when they came back after the war, um, found a vestige of war um, everywhere um, on the land, they decided to transform it um, into spoons to eat out of. And um, for years, they had been uh, transforming the bombs um, into spoons and they were selling it. And everywhere in the region, in Xiangguan, um you would eat out of this spoon um, still today uh, at this wow. at this time. So um, that's why the spoon is really the object that connects this idea of transformation and kind of like very um, spiritual approach of transforming anything negative into something that is good for you. Yeah. And, you know, so people don't think that like you're just mass producing these here in a factory here. Um, they're being made by people in Laos, and there's money going directly back. Yeah, everything to the uh, today is still using the same technique. Uh, all of the molds are handmade um, by local artisans. The frames made of wood, and then ashes and earth inside. Um, and then the pieces are cast, um, and each piece is then finished by um, the families, um, women, um, husband and wives. Uh, really collaborate on each piece. Um, and um, the same technique that was used uh, to make the spoon is still used to make uh, the pieces of jewelry. Um, so we call it initially designing within the limits because there was, um, you know, not only it's hard to work with people so far away, um, but also, you know, this is a very specific technique and and, and it, it, it takes a long time to learn it. Mm. How to um, create rings that are smaller and and maybe are more difficult to make or um, any type of like um, special pattern on the jewelry or, or is it w- will be more complicated. Um, anything big will be a little challenging at the beginning because of the the mold needs to be um, of a bigger size and then becomes more fragile. So um, it's it's a really uh, challenging. Um, you know, every time we have new prototypes, it's it's a New adventure for each piece. Yeah, it's cool. I saw in one of your videos somebody had a wedding ring made. I've seen, I believe that Michaela, who was on this podcast, had a design or a quote on... Our bangle, yes. Yeah. Our favorite bangle. Um, the bangle was the first piece that Elizabeth designed um, with the idea of creating a virtual circle that became, you know, really the emblem 
um, of the brand um, because it's all about creating that virtual circle and nourishing it with people that comes in and and participate and bring um, their own contribution to it. Um, so you know the the Bengal that that shape. Um, after we brought it into a necklace, we brought it into a pair of earrings, we brought it, and that idea of like, you know, really sharing um, stories through design is, well, is really what's specific to the brand in the sense that, yes, it's about design and it's about wearing beautiful pieces, but it's also about wearing pieces that have a very strong meaning behind the design. Uh, on top of the provenance, on top of the story, the material, the weight age, um, that's all you know, so people really appreciate that there's so many things behind each piece. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you um, is like the storytelling aspect of the jewelry. Yeah, so that collection became the full circle collection. Uh-huh. Um, and Emma Watson actually just uh, wore um, the the earrings, the hoop earrings. Yeah, how did you make, how did you make that? Because I'm I'm looking up. She's up here on the wall. How did you make that connection? Um, she, um, she, she's really, really a high supporter from the beginning of like, uh, wearing, um, sustainable brands and brands that really bring the, the idea of values to a next level. And, um, on her, um, 2017 um, Presto for uh, Beauty and the Beast, um, oh. which is really nice in relation to our theme of transformation yeah. also. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, she, um, a, her stylist contacted us and, um, and um, yeah, for, for having some pieces over us, sent to her and um, we we had um, we didn't know at all that she was going to wear them on the Ellen show which um, you know brought um, oh, wow. significant visibility to, to the story and, and really also the example of the brand that people are really moved um, emotionally by the story that they want to share it so um, you know that's um, she's a good example of what many of her um customer and people that wear the jewelry um, feel when they wear it and they want to share the story or, you know, when that's why we love earrings because they're so light. So like a, a big statement piece, like anyone could ask you a question about how can you wear um, such big earrings and feel so comfortable and you say, well, they're made from aluminum, made from bombs. And yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's a, that's a really cool ambassador to have for the brand. You guys are yeah, uh, fortunate. Very, very well. And she's so well intentioned. So it's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, speaking of transformation, um, have you been able to see like the impact that your company's had on these families? Because there's, I'd assume there's a big difference between, you know, selling spoons in Laos and now having like a brand that could potentially be a global brand. Like, have you seen this have a significant impact? Yeah. So, um, it's, um, so we, we have the, what's beautiful about our work is that we have the ability to, um, respect really the way people are still working in the sense that, um, we work with farmers, artisans. So farming is still the main, um, activity that they have. And we have to work, um, within um, farming seasons and, you know, when mm. they plant the rice and when they um, cultivate it, um, recolt it, like we, we we know that they'll be on the land. Um, at the same time, we have the ability of paying them more than the average, um, you know, income salary that I'll get for a spoon or even if they were uh, working locally, even for the Lao government. So uh, right now we, we are able to pay them um, on average five times um, above uh, Lao government salary um, wow. if they were working um, on, a, on a full time, so on, on an hourly basis. And that is really because um, together we transform the piece and create value and uh, we are able to resell it here so that, um, you know, the, the give back is, is significant for them. At the same time, um, we create pieces that are accessibly priced because that's really important to us so that people um, can all participate and be, you know, enter into that virtual circle. So it's um, it's challenging because of the time that's being dedicated to create and launch a piece. Um, and at the same time, you know, um, because we create heirlooms and pieces that really um, are meant to live with us um, because they have so much significance for the brand, um, such as that collection or the bangle of the 
full circle um, collection. Um, any investment that we make on designing new pieces with them is really meant to last uh, really long and make a sustainable impact um, for them and for us also. So, um, yeah, after the more we sell, the more work, uh, you know, that they'll have, um, the more we would be able to work with new people um, yeah. in the village. And maybe, you know, at, at one point we, we will have to um, start having to ensure that, um, you know, the, the, the savoir-faire will be passed on to... Um, onto the, the, the children. Um, yeah. Right now, we still, uh, we still, uh, they're still very young. Um, and, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, they, they're very eager to, um, at one point, teach their children. Um, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this hopefully is like an intergenerational thing now that yeah. can sustain them for a while. So income to the artisans is, is one aspect. Uh, we've, over time, also... Um, organically um, met a lot of other artisans um, that are um, contributing. So we work with several silversmiths, um, we sell screeners, uh, we, you know, all of the packaging is, is made by the weavers. Um, and so that creates a whole community of artists locally that are involved into the jewelry um, at different level uh, with the idea of, you know, giving more back and, and, and making the piece more and more authentic. Um, but we have a, a nice um, balance of what we do here to ensure that the design is really, really high quality. Um, and also what we do uh, locally to uh, ensure that, you know, we, we can uh, increase our impact over years. I saw that you also, I don't know if it was a specific design, but part of the proceeds... We're going to Laos in the house for, I don't know if it was that yes. specific bangle or... Yes, so we, we have, um, we've launched this year um, a story, um, transformation story series. Um, ah. And the, the, the idea is to bring our impact to a next level, um, collaborating with um, artists and social activists, which is our first collection, the, the artists and social activists collection, and um, to use the, the, the jury as a, as a canvas, a symbolic canvas for transformation. Cool. And, um, you know, allowing them to express their own story of transformation on the jury with a simple engraving on our bestseller, which, which is the Bengal, and uh, also which people collect a lot. And they the idea is to give back to them directly, uh, fundraising up to 50% to help um, their own and behavior advance. So in the case of Lau in the house or in the case of uh, Michaela the Bengal that we did, um, uh, funds were going to contribute to um, advancement of like a pen and brush Gary, which is a yes. 25 years old uh, woman yeah. Gary, which um, is now uh, a new family for us because um cool. you know we each partner we work so closely and everyone is so engaged into making the message advance and so it's really nice wow yeah so this 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 involved um i believe over 14 people this year um and then we look forward to um you know um create uh, a new series every year um with the idea of uh, collecting stories of transformation and um, expanding the reach and um, also the, the diversifying the way that we impact people also on here. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a couple practical questions. Um, the first being, if there's an unexploded ordinance to get the materials to melt down into the bombs, it has to be detonated, I would assume? Yeah, so the... Um, the the, the mining agency, um, when when they demine, so they have a whole process of um, that you know very strict um, procedure for demining uh, a land um, to make it clear from from bombs and 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 to make sure it's safe. Um, when if there's a material that's being found on the land, um, the material is being given. Um, to the landowner, which um, who then has the ability to resell it. Oh, that's great! Or to keep it, to recycle it, or to resell it to foundries. And uh, the artisans um, who work with us um, directly buy from foundries or resellers. Um, so that's there's a whole supply chain of material um, in Laos um, 
who, because of its abundance, so this idea of circular economy of the material and how to repurpose it to build houses, to... Um, I've heard Vietnamese create cars. Wow. <laughs> I haven't never seen it. But in our case, um, you know, we, we create the jewelry. Um, yeah. Um, the other one being like, and maybe this is a strange... Different parts of the bombs are also different materials. So, you know, whether you use the bomb casing or whether you use... So we use the aluminum part which you find also in plain wings, um, but the, you know, a bomb has different materials in it. So how often do you or Elizabeth go to Laos? Do you make a yearly visit? Uh, yes, so wow. we uh, make yearly visits. Um, more and more we also host, um, we, we were originally going mostly for like uh, production um, um, work in the field um, and to encounter new artisans that could contribute to the story and the jewelry. Um, We've recently started working with um, a paper family that makes organic um, uh, paper um, with a, a tree that uh, naturally uh, shed its bark. Wow. It shed its bark? So yeah. Um, so those are what we call the production field trip. And um, do you want me to repeat? No, no, no you're good. You're good. And um, recently we've um, also you know, in the past years, um, started um, hosting press and um, people in Laos. Um, and this is really important to share the story and, you know, create that experience that we have, but that sometimes um, is hard to tell. And the, the role, the contribution in, of, of press and, um, and, and you is really about, um, you know, bringing your own perspective on the story and being able to share it in a most authentic way that's, you know, that re you retained. And so um, inviting press to the, 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 the village, to the minefield um, is something very special um, that has a lot of impact. So um, we hosted um, PBS there. Yeah. And we've I recently uh, hosted um, another... Um, VIP editor of um, sustainability, um, we who you know for us um, was really important because she's um, you know renowned for her knowledge and making sustainability advance in fashion, um, and she got the the experience of understanding the, the 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 legacy of wars, understanding the way we work, how it's exactly how you said everything is handmade and it's a really a, a an art form, a craft that we're preserving. Um, so that's that's a, a, a trip that is very special to us for sure. Um, and why not? We we're thinking about you know maybe expanding the experience to customers that are more and more curious, interested because there's so much into the brand, and this is a, a really interesting part of the world to explore. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Like I, and you've been you've been in Luang Prabang. Yeah. So I have you know a limited experience because that's one location within Laos. But for me, um, there's parts of Southeast Asia that are just completely pristine and peaceful and relaxing. And then there's parts of like the tourist trail, like Ho Chi Minh City or Bangkok, which are great places to go, but are like sensory overload and chaotic and like loud and noisy and street vendors and this and that. Um, you know, Luang Prabang is not a metropolis. It's a city, but uh, it's incredibly peaceful. There's like a, like a noise curfew almost at night where like everything closes down at 10. It's a great place to go to unplug from all the sensory overload of like traveling yeah. from different cities. Um, and yeah, like you, you talk about, you know, the legacy of war, legacies of war is an actual organization, but also just if you think about war itself, you know, other than maybe sort of like intergenerational trauma that soldiers who, American soldiers who came back experienced and maybe passed on to their kids, um, there, there's no footprint of it here. But there's a quite literal uh, active footprint of it in Laos. Um, if there are, what, eight, there were 80 million bombs dropped and you said 1% were cleared. So uh, the war's not over there for them. So that legacy is, is very ripe and is current. Um, so I, I really appreciate like just that the company exists 
for that reason to and just I think that, educate uh, people. In between Longpaban and what you live when you go in the regions where we work is a uh, is um the is is very rich region in terms of um um, you know, they have a lot of rice. They're very famous for rice noodles. They have a lot of coffee. Um, but it's it's one of the regions that was the most heavily bombed um, wow. out of the two regions. So uh, they, there's been tourists in the past that were more like backpackers. And, uh, you know, I've seen the roads when Elizabeth went for the first time and it was dirt roads and she went motorcycle. Um, there was this site called Plain of Jars with like yeah, oh yeah. So it's, it, it is near near where, where we work. And um, the first year I went there was in 2013. And um, it looked really like a Western um, <laughs> with like, you know, no, um, barely, um, I think they had just built the road to the village, but um, there was still part of it. There was dirt roads and um, it was, you know, when you were walking in a bar, it was all about war themes around you. They had like war movies around it. So it was a lot about what you feel about, you know, rev revisiting this part of history that is unknown. And for me, I had no, you know, I hadn't lived that. Maybe when you go to the, where the Americans arrive in Normandy, that's, you know, part of the sensation that you get visiting those beach mm. where they arrived. Because, you know, it's... It, it has a very special energy. Um, so that's how I felt when I went there for the first time. And now what's really interesting is it's, it's, it's moving. The region is moving. You can feel like, you know, the plain of Jar just got classified as um, UNESCO World Heritage Site. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've created, the, the, the place is more welcoming. There's more tourists uh, going there, which means that in for the capital of the province um, that's run next to it, um, there, there's more uh, um, traffic tourists. Yeah. So, um, there's more activity, there's more commerce. Um, so it's it's changing a lot, uh, which also means that all of the beautiful culture that they have, the food is is popping up where, where people are, are understanding what's, what's behind this region more and more. Um, and then I think the Spoon Village is something incredible that's in the middle of this and that will become, you know, eventually really a, a one-stop for, for tourists' path. Yeah, and... That's amazing. Um, I also I credit like someone like Bourdain for you know featuring uh, Laos on his show. I think even he I th ate when one of the spoons also in in the show. Did he? Without probably knowing it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I thought I remember on his show too saying that like there was some type of a rule that the planes coming back to American bases couldn't come back with their bombs, so they dropped a lot of them that's, in Laos as well. That's a combination of yeah, this wow. and then the um, bombing to um, avoid the spreading of communism. Yes. Um, wow, that's so crazy. Um, and we have different stories from who we met when we have stories from customers also. So, you know, different perspective and yeah. yeah. Um, in one of the videos you have, there's a gentleman. It's in the documentary, and I'm actually gonna at the end of this. Everybody, when I, before I sign out in my normal outro, I'll have like some audio from that that you can listen to, and I would uh, implore you to go to YouTube and watch that as well. It's like a ten-minute documentary. Yeah, the video really gives you a good insight of um, the the amount of the bombing and the impact of the war look and the, um, the way the way that the jewelry is made, also, which is you you yeah you wouldn't you it's hard to imagine. What material is being used? How it's melted? How it's transformed? Um. Yeah, and it, it, there's a point in the video when the man, uh, a, a gentleman in the video, says, um, "You know, uh, Lao people are some of the friendliest people in the world." And you know, I, I always hesitate to like say that people are are different because in, you know most people when you get down to the root of like their their wants and desires out of life are pretty similar. Um, but I will say like that was my experience as well. And like a, a short little anecdote here, there was a night my friend Kevin and I were there and we were out, um, everything had closed down and we got really lost, you know, there weren't streetlights or anything like that. Um, we were staying kind of by, um, the bamboo bridge in Long Prabang that goes over the Mekong, not like the old bridge where you yeah. can take cars over. 
and we didn't know where we were. And we had found a guy who had sort of like a, not a tuk-tuk, but almost like a tractor with like a wooden bed. And we couldn't communicate well. And we were really frustrating him because we were like, no, I think it's there. I think it's there. And he's just like, I got to go. You got to get out. And so now we're like sort of lost and we're just walking around. And there was a guy with a motorbike who was, we were able to communicate with a little bit. And he took us one by one until we found the place and dropped us off. And, you know, good luck walking around at 3 a.m. in New York City and being like, hey, I'm lost. Can you show me where to go? <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, just, just my own personal anecdote to say, like, yeah, my experiences were like people were incredibly kind and yeah, friendly. Yeah, they inspire a lot of wisdom. Also, you know, what's interesting is they don't put the history or the story in front of you. They is something that will come, mm. you know, through many years or, you know, it's, it's all about the being in the present moment. Um, and a good example of that reminded me this recently is when we went to interview, um, we went to interview our artisans that we've been working for, you know, several years now. And one of the artisan women, as she was interviewed and, and um, the journalist was asking her if she had ever um, been, in, you know, um, witness of an accident, um, told us the story of her um, th- her nephew that actually got killed by, by oh. a bomb and um, her son um, was next to him and got injured and um, he, he was safe. But, um, you know, she, she showed um, she showed us the marks and, and shared us the story. And we were like, you know, this is a story where she hasn't shared it. And we sat around, every time we go, we sat around dinners, we have discussions. and But these are the stories that they, you know, it's that's the idea of the moving forward. And, mm. you know, in that particular case, she felt it was the moment to share a story like that because, you know, this question was asked. But, um, and that's something, we, 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 that's one example, but a lot of wisdom and... The, the way of sharing moments, of expressing ideas, yes. Wow. Um, not to say that it's always easy to work with, you know, so remote, but a lot of, um, but that's something that's very special for sure. Yeah. Um, that you, you might not, that makes the relationship sustainable also because it's all about understanding, about compassion, about, yes. So then where do you see the future of the, the company or do you, do you have goals? Do you have a 2020 plan? Um, do you yeah, plan to expand? Yeah, we always have plans. <laughs> we have a lot of goals. Um, I think we've, um, we always have different directions um, that we can take. We know it. Um, and we, we're looking, you know, to expand our impacts year over year. Um, and um, yeah, we, in 2020, we, we hope to have good surprise. Um, we don't set up goals, but, okay. um, you know, we, we have very interesting projects um, that are in work. Um, our projects are really coming from their heart, so they take sometimes several years to develop. Um, one of the projects um, actually probably took 10 years. Oh. <laughs> and we'll, um, you know, see, um, people will be able to see it uh, come through most probably this year. Um, and uh, yeah, that's one of the big projects that I'll, I'll leave it secret. Okay, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> Very cryptic, but, but I like it's, that. It's, yeah. you know, we, we work in design, collections, making sure that, you know, people have something to buy, to offer. We also work on the development work, which takes more time. Um, there's a little bit more uncertainty at the same time um, when it's out. It's something that feels very special for everyone that supports us, but also for the people that are part of it. Cool. Yeah. And then if people want to learn more, follow along, buy stuff, they can go to article22.com. Yeah. Or- and I, so for every... Um, so. Every purchase for every $50 spend helps clearing the equivalent of three square meters of land. Um, so that's the, um, that's the impact that we, um, that's the charity part of our work in terms of donation to help um, clearing the bombs, which is pretty cool. Also, when you think that you're wearing something that also helped um, literally clear the lands. So, um, yes. Cool. And the Instagram is quite active. I'll have links to the website and Instagram through the show notes for this episode. Uh, This is like a very basic question. Where does the name come from? 
Article 22? It's a very good question. Okay. <laughs> um, Article 22 is inspired of the, uh, by the Declaration of Human Rights. Um, ah. And um, the, everything that's behind the brand is really directly um, um, guided by um, the U UN Sustainable uh, Development Goals. And um, specifically to Laos, there is a goal to um, clear the bombs that have not exploded, uh, which is what our donation to Minds Advisory Group uh, address. At the same time, all the work that we do in uh, capacity building locally, bringing additional income to um, people um, and, you know, uh, preserving also um, heritage of like arts and crafts locally um, is really included into, you know, the, the uh, UN development system or development goals. Um, yeah, so more specifically that the um, article defines that everyone should be able to have equal access, equal rights to social security, um, you know, ec economic development and um, also through free development of personality. So in the case of the jury, because it's all about, you know, using something yourself or fair that you know how to do and putting it, bringing it to the next level and making impact, but also it's actually clearing bombs from the lens, making them free to do whatever we can do every day, which is, you know, going out and um, in, in a secure way. Yeah, very, very basic aspect that we very should all be basic. able to have. Yeah. Yes. So that's, yeah, when you dip a little bit more into the brand, into like the work that we do with different social activities, this is why also that the collaboration that we do this year with the um, artists and social activists was really really meaningful to us because it brought the next level. It, it put a light on what we wanted to create as like, you know, um, bringing collectively people across the world to make impact and benefit directly from it. And mm. it redefined making it even more stronger, the idea of the virtuous circle that's behind the brand. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And it helps also for you, our customers to, Identify. So, you know, through the story of people, through what people do, th um, through the, what people share, so that it really brings the people that are impacted, but also the network, like the, the, the community behind um, much stronger. So that's, that was really specific to one of the things that we did, I think, that, you know, last year, I mean, this year, last year. <laughs> yeah, and listen, that's really amazing. Um, I want to say thank you. This has been really informative. Um, again, I would implore everyone to go check out, uh, even if it's just for their own education, uh, the website and the, the Instagram account and things like that. Um, but you do also have some really cool, beautiful jewelry that people should check out. Yeah, um, you can also, if you live in um, New York City or Greenpoint, oh, right. yeah, yeah. we have a studio that's open so you can come and discover it, um, touch it. I think there's a lot of emotion behind the jewelry, so it's nice to like see it, you know, um, to, to see it in person. That's That's something very special. Cool. So they could just maybe reach out yeah, on the website? Yeah, make an appointment or reach out, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Camille, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Cheers. That is a wrap on episode number 140 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. But please, don't go anywhere just yet. I took the audio from the 10-minute documentary, Buying Back the Bombs, a peace bomb documentary, and that is going to play after my little outro here. I would recommend that you also go to YouTube and watch this sometime. It's got some great great uh, visuals. But in case you are at work right now at your desk and you can't pull up YouTube and you're hiding from your boss and you're waiting for the day to be over or you're on the subway or driving in your car, the audio is nice too and there's some really lovely music that plays in the background. So you have that to enjoy. Thank you to Camille. Thank you to her partner, Elizabeth. Thank you to Article 22. Thank you to you, Voyagers, all of you. This was episode 140, and whenever there's a, a zero at the end of an episode, I get kind of excited. It feels like a bit of a milestone. So thanks for joining me on this ride. This is the third so far in January, and I'm recording another one this afternoon. And then I've got a, a few this week. So things are moving and grooving in the early days of 2020 here. 
But uh, again, thank all, thanks to all of you for, uh, for listening. All right, folks, as always, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time. And here is that audio from the documentary. In 2010, filmmaker Sam Rowland and designer Elizabeth Suda had a simple idea, to make a short film about a bracelet made in rural Laos. They created an online funding appeal and enlisted the help of family and friends. 40 days and $7,500 later, they arrived in the heart of Southeast Asia. Project Peace Bomb pairs artisans who melt bomb metal into bracelets with the distribution network of Article 22, a sustainable fashion company. They call it buying back the bombs. The story of the bracelet is just the beginning. Behind it is the legacy of a secret war. Between 1964 and 1973, the equivalent of one B-52 bomb load showered upon Laos every eight minutes, 24 hours a day for nine years. It was a secret to nearly everyone, except those whose lives had changed forever. I find the Lao people among the gentlest uh, of any, any people in the world. I'm married, I have children, I have grandchildren, and when I go out into the provinces and I see the children and you can uh, think of what they have to deal with day to day. Obviously they're oblivious to it because they're just children, but to have my grandchildren in this situation, I would not stand for it as I don't think you would. They value personal relationships and nature more than things, power, money, and technology. I still can't understand how the richest of the species and most technologically advanced of the species could torment the nicest people on Earth, the poorest people on Earth, um, for no, no real reason. When asked about the secret air war in Laos, the senior leaders in America denied that it was happening. Even I didn't know, living 200 miles away down in the capital city, the bombing was in path of I didn't I know about it, let alone Congress of the American people back in America. The idea from the U.S. forces was to take out everything, scorched earth policy, the villagers, everyone who might be there because they could be an insurgent, they might be a North Vietnamese soldier. And so the main people we were burning and burying alive and slowly suffocating to death were grandmothers, children, and civilians. With the planes coming, drop the bomb, and uh, they hide, they sleep on the field. And then after that, the planes uh, go up and then uh, they would plan, continue to plant rice. To know that this country was bombed more per capita than any other country in the world leaves me with some conflict. I want there to be peace in the region forever, and yet I realized I was part of a society that waged enormous destruction uh, on this part of the world. It, it shook me up on the deepest possible level because it meant everything I had been taught and everything I believed about America wasn't true. Who were we to believe? Were we to believe some obscure reporter who said this was happening in Laos? Or do you believe the President of the United States and the Senators uh, and, and the Congress people who bought into the party line? By the mid-1970s, the U.S. had dropped over 200 million tons of bombs. One out of every three failed to detonate. Armies historically don't clean up their own messes. They don't rebuild homes or houses. They don't take care of the wounded, and they don't clean up their landmine messes. Unexploded Ordnance, or UXO, continues to affect the people of Laos. UXO impacts negatively in so many different ways. It will not allow poverty to be reduced. 
it uh, restricts people to eat food security. There's obviously the threat of maiming. If the father loses a leg farming, income generation, food generation is gone for that family. He was 13 years old. Uh, he went to correct the scrimmatos with his teacher and for villagers. They went to the forest and they tried to take part the bombs at the bomb expert and three, uh, five of them died. Yeah, got injured his eyes and also his cheeks. Time frame to make sure all of this is gone. I would not want to hazard a guess. It could be decades, it could be a century. In my lifetime, it's not likely to happen because there are so many of them. What most horrified me about what happened to the people of Plano Jars is that they were not considered as human beings. In 2010, the U.S. spent between five and seven million U.S. dollars clearing UXO in Laos. The same year, it announced its plan to spend between 110 and 145 million on a new embassy in Vientiane, the capital of Laos. The first convention on cluster munitions was held in Laos in November 2010. England, France, Germany, and Japan have joined the convention and ratified a treaty banning the use of these bombs. But the US, China, Brazil, and other powerful nations still have not. I think we're a very beautiful species. I think we're capable of tremendous love, tremendous compassion, great beauty. Um, and I'd like to see that persist. In 1975, a lone man from Huapan province journeyed to the Plain of Jars, a landscape covered with ancient stones and scarred with thousands of bomb craters. He settled in a new village and taught one of his neighbors how to transform bomb scrap metal into aluminum spoons. In 2009, Elizabeth Suda of Article 22 developed the concept of the bracelet with the Napia spoon makers and a Swiss nonprofit called Helvetas. Everything was destroyed by bombs. By bombs, the houses, or everything destroyed. They were already doing this. This is their own innovation through their own initiative. But the spoons weren't a product that I felt could be sold on the international market. It's been a really positive experience. And we're talking about other types of products beyond the bracelet that could work for both the local market and the international market. Helvetas and the Mines Advisory Group conduct trainings to ensure villagers are educated about bombs and safety. We know that practice will go on, so we're trying to make it as safe as possible. With each bracelet purchased, Project Peace Bomb donates funds to cover the cost of clearing roughly three square meters of land. Additional donations go into a central development fund managed by the community with the help of Helvetas. So far, villagers have used funds to pay for electricity in communal areas and provided microloans to help families set up businesses. So he really hope that you and the project will support villagers in the future. When, when a negative can be turned into a positive, it's the yin and the yang. It's another solution to a problem that we have. And I love the buy back the bombs. It gives people that chance to, to make some money, feed their family, maybe put them into school, get them an education, further themselves. And it all comes from something that has caused the problem. And that's the key thing. I think what we should have done is clear and what is less clear is the path ahead, and that we can forge together collectively.